afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the Sculpt Your Life podcast. It has definitely been some time since I've done an episode. I apologize for keeping you guys waiting, but life happens. I moved twice in August and was in the process of revamping my business. So lots of new transitions and exciting changes, but I'm feeling very centered, inspired with a new sense of renewal since September is my favorite month of the year. I always get energized and filled with new ideas and creativity during this time. So the fall episodes will certainly be a hit. Now today is a special episode. I'm welcoming back our guest, Kathy Yu. And just to recap guys, she's a registered psychotherapist, spiritual director, and intuitive energy practitioner. And today we're going to be diving into a juicy topic, one that I feel everyone can relate to, and it's all about shame and guilt. I know it doesn't sound like the sexiest topic, but it's a conversation that I believe needs to be had. We need to be more willing and open to talk about shame and understand it on a deeper level, since it is such a core part of our human experience. It shows up in many different facets of our lives from body image to sexuality, our professional identity and work, and our mental and emotional health as well. In this episode, Kathy is going to share her knowledge and experiences in this area and shed some light on this topic so we can walk away with new insights on how to connect with our shame and work with it so that we can feel more empowered empathetic, and cultivate a deeper sense of connection to ourselves. Now you guys can take a seat, get comfortable, get your coffee or tea ready, because now I'd like to welcome Kathy Yu back onto the Sculpture Life podcast. Welcome back. Hi. Thanks, Stephanie. It's great to be back here. Um, Thanks for having me again. How's it going? (laughs) It's okay. I'm trying to figure out how it actually got to be September. Right? Favorite month of the year. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I have mixed feelings. I love I love the fall. I do. I love the early parts of the fall, but um, it's always sad to see summer go. I know. A lot of my friends and people around me are super into summer, and I'm just very excited about September. I'm like, okay, back to new routines, renewal, inspiration, all that stuff. That's funny. So you see the summer as being a, a leaving of that routine? and Yeah, I feel like in the summer, I feel more like floaty like I don't feel as structured and routine focus and and I'm a very routine and structured person so I think that's why I like the fall because it's like that renewal and like let's get back to routines and summer just kind of you know has that it's a different vibe I I would be summer all year for me I could be happy with that I know a lot of people feel the same way but anyway I'm excited about our conversation today all about shame and guilt it's going to be good yeah, that's a statement that never gets made. I'm excited to talk about shame. <laughs> right? Just pulling a, pulling a Brene Brown here. Um, okay, let's just get right into it. So my first question is for you is what is the difference between shame and guilt? Because a lot of the times we confuse the two and we use them interchangeably, interchangeably but really they are very different experiences. Yes, so they do get confused a lot. They are close cousins, right? They're very closely aligned. Um, They're both emotions that stop us from being able to experience ourselves as being fully empowered in our lives. Um, The difference is, is that guilt is about the things that we do. 
And whereas shame is associated with who we are. So one is all about the doing and the other one is all about fundamentally the being, mm-hmm. right? So shame goes down to beliefs of, of who we think we are or who we are, we're actually afraid we are, mm-hmm. right? And guilt is really all about, you know, things that we did, we did or didn't do, really. It's about the action. Mm-hmm. So um, in that, you know, when you're working with it, guilt's a little bit easier for us to talk about and to access, right? Because we focus, we just focus on the things that we do, which create that feeling, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, you'll hear people talk about it all the time that I did something and I shouldn't have done that. Or, you know, in the diet world, for instance, I ate something and I shouldn't have, mm-hmm. or I didn't exercise and I should have, right? We'll talk openly about that. What we don't tend to talk about is shame, which is a, you know, it's much more deeply embedded or buried. And it can be really hard to access because people sometimes aren't even aware of it or they don't admit to it. Like we're not talking about our deep shames, right? Mm -hmm. We're busy hiding them. And so that's one of the problems is um, no one's admitting to them. Mm -hmm. No one's bringing them forward. They're very secretive about it. Um, You know, and it's just, it's in bringing it into the light that that's where we want to be. We want to be talking about our shame. Yeah. There's this quote, actually, I'm pretty sure it was Brene Brown's quote. And it's just talking like shame is ultimately characterized by this desire to hide and escape. Whereas guilt is by the desire to repair. So with shame, we want to escape and hide from it. But with guilt, we actually want to fix it and repair it. Is that, that's, you'd say that's true. Sure, because if it's about action, we can mm-hmm. do, right? But if we feel that we're a terrible person, how are we going to fix that? Exactly. Right? And yeah. we are always very focused on action versus anything else. Mm-hmm. And so how would you say, so why does shame show up for us? And how is it part of this human experience? Like, what is its role in our lives? That's a great question. So yes, I want to affirm that shame is part of the human experience. It's a fundamental part of our journey. Everybody has shame, right? So if you think you don't, I would suggest look a little bit deeper. um, And you do. I mean, maybe you've moved past it, but we all have had shame. And if you look at even, you know, our older texts, like it's written into the Bible at the very beginning. I'm not a religious person, but I think it's interesting, right? That it's written there at the very beginning. In the beginning, you know, the world was made and it was perfect, right? And Adam and Eve were in it and they lived in this great, you know, place of paradise. And then they ate the fruit Mm -hmm. from the tree of knowledge, right? So with knowledge comes shame. Um, They ate the, you know, the fruit and then they instantly felt shame. And then they hid. That was their first response. They hid, right? So, we know this to be part of, you know, it's written that way because it's part of the fundamental journey. And, you know, it, it shows up really, really early in our development. Mm-hmm. And I think that the whole point of it, you know, from, from, I guess, a greater perspective is, is that we experience it and we work through our human journey to heal from it. And as we heal from it, we access a greater consciousness. Mm 
right? right? If you move past that that thought or feeling that, you know, you're a bad person or, you know, you're unworthy or unlovable, which are usually mm-hmm. the feelings that shame is associated with. It's that fear that, you know, we're not good enough. We're not mm-hmm. enough. We're not worthy enough. We're not lovable enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's often that kind of thing. We're a bad person. Um, if you move past that, you know, what could be on the other end? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's funny because you're saying that, you know, we're born into shame pretty much like as soon as, you know, starting from being little kids, right? And, you know, it shame, it plays a vital role because parents, you know, they regularly, they make use of shame to teach their children about, you know, acceptable behavior and how to socialize them. So they use it to like, you know, for toddlers to understand the concept of sharing, saying thank you, greeting people. So there, there is kind of that flip side to it, right? Yes. So I, I, again, I do feel shame comes on very early in our development, right? We're not fully Mm -hmm. developed enough to understand and to interpret things that we experience or that we're told. And so we often take those messages in as shaming Mm -hmm. ones, even if they aren't meant to be that way. So parents do sometimes use it. Sometimes it's done consciously and sometimes it's done unconsciously, right? So, you know, you think about how we've worked it into our language, like parents will talk about, and I've heard this many times over, where parents will say, you know, I've got a really good baby. Yeah. He sleeps through the night. He's a good eater. He eats really well. He's, I've just got such a good baby, right? And they will say to their kids, you know, the kids will do something and they'll say, you know, oh, good boy, right? Like, mm-hmm. or good girl. You know, just sit there and try to be good for a while. And they don't mean to, you know, it's not like they're looking to shame their kids, mm-hmm. but what message that gets taken in when you hear the word, you know, I'm a good boy or I'm a good girl, then there's obviously the downside is, well, I could be a bad boy or girl, right? Right. So when parents are saying, why can't you just be good? You know, what they're really saying, what the kid is hearing is I'm bad. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's how, and that's how shame, it just develops from, yes. from when we were young. And then that's, and that's basically as adults, we have to undo all of that conditioning and those belief systems around it. So like you said, it, our whole lot, we basically have to heal from that shame. It's inevitable. Yes. Yes. It's, it's just, it's amazing how, how we take that in. I don't even know, I'm not even sure what would happen if we were all really conscious and we raised our kids to understand the difference between what they do and what they are. Like, for instance, that example that I said where parents are saying, you know, why can't you just be good? Because they've done something that's so-called, you know, mm-hmm. undesirable or bad. If parents were to say instead, you know, well, what you did was not a great thing because, and here are all the reasons why. Um, however, you're not a bad, you're a good person, right? And I love you and all of that. You know, would that eradicate shame? Like, and if it did, then what would happen to us? I, I know, I'm thinking about it. Like if every parent out there was had that self-awareness and they really, you know, um, kind of understood the difference between or taught their kids like the difference between shame and guilt like what would that actually look like for kids i'm not sure i'm not sure possible because parent like it's yeah 
anyways. I'm not sure. But the thing about shame is, is it gets brought in. So it gets brought in really, really early on. And we then, you know, like parents might plant that seed early on, either consciously or unconsciously, right? Because there is a generation that used to say, don't you feel ashamed about yourself? Yeah. Right? Like, and I've heard that, like, in a sense, in a backward way, where the shame just takes over. We have this very deep shame that we've, we've gotten to this place where we suddenly think, we believe deep down that we're not lovable, we're not worthy, we're not good, all of these things. And we move forward in life and we then start, it starts perpetuating. We then start seeing, like we start viewing the world through those shame lenses. So mm-hmm. certain things that happen, you start thinking that mm, that's because I'm a bad person. Mm-hmm. Right? Or am that, that just leads into my next question. You were talking about um, the ancestral shame and how we, you know, in certain cultures, um, you, you know, you hear the whole, like, you should be ashamed and shameful of your behavior. So oftentimes we take on shame that is part of our ancestral lineage and it's passed down through generations and it's so deeply ingrained in our subconscious. And I know I I can speak from, I can speak from personal experience on this one coming from Eastern European background. Now, can you tell us a little bit about how this is passed down so we can become more aware of it or some examples? Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, shame is so much a part of my culture. I'm sure I, I know it's a part of many, many, you know, different cultures, I mean, it's a part of the human experience, but every culture I feel like uses shame and, and it has a particular flavor to it. Yeah. Um, and being Asian, there's a lot of shame um, in there because the whole idea of family honor is really, really important, right? Versus the individual. So it's all about what fits or doesn't fit into that and what do we need to hide or, mm-hmm. or you know, proudly show right um and so for me there was there was growing up there was tons of shame because there's so much fear um and so parents perpetuate that because what they worry about is you know if their kids are doing things or not doing things then it splashes back on the parents right Mm -hmm. that they weren't a good parent they didn't do their job right because look you know, either it's any number of things. It could be something like, you know, my teenage daughter is pregnant or it, it mean, yep. you know, or they didn't even do well in school. Right. And so what does that say, you know, about me as a parent, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to be judged by others. Um, and so it, it's a lot of it is fear-based. I think mm-hmm. that, that it gets passed down through the, through our lineage because there's this fear. Um, there's this fear of around how they'll be perceived. Yep. And I, I think it's very similar to the Eastern European culture. The same way I grew up, there was a lot of messages around, you know, get good grades and, you know, be on your best behavior and, you know, think, think those kind of messages, right? I know in my family, you know, my parents come from, um, communist countries where people's rights were taken away. There's a lot of oppression and, and shame was huge when it came to family dynamics. So like, being a single mom, like when my parents divorced, there's a lot of shame around that about, you know, divorce and you don't speak about it. And even having your period, it was something you don't want to talk about and, and sex and sexuality and the way you present yourself. So I think it's probably some similarities to the Asian culture as well in that way. 
Sure. I think there's a lot of commonalities. Um, I think some of it is in terms of how it's greeted, like there's, there's this particular flavor to Asian secrecy, right? Because mm -hmm. secrecy, secrecy and shame are like, secrecy is shame's best weapon, right? Because um, shame only can exist in, in secret. Once you're open about it, you know, it starts to lose its power, right? Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that we're so often not open about it. But if you look at, for instance, um, how, you know, 12 step programs work, the first statement that you make when you go to AA is to announce that you're an alcoholic, right? You're bringing your shame out into the open and you're declaring it, right? So there's, it starts the whole process of trying to, you know, unwind that shame, you know, pull it back. But um, the thing I was trying, the point I'm trying to make is that, is that Asians, um, there's a, like I said, there's a particular flavor, like I recognize it, right? They don't even, they don't even talk about it between themselves. Like it wouldn't even be that the mother and father would talk about this thing about their kid that they see as so shameful. Yep. I, no, right? I can see that. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so it's like, it's the whole, like, just don't ask, don't tell almost, right? Like, we're just, we're just going to pretend it's not there. Yep. You know? And so, and the thing is like, it's difficult because say you grow up in a household like that. How do you, for me, I know it took a lot of time for me to untangle myself from all these beliefs and conditioning around the shame in, in the Eastern, in the culture and around all that stuff. So it's like, how do you kind of um, not disconnect yourself, but how do you kind of become an observer and actually work through dealing with the shame that's been passed down on you? Is there specific ways or just, it does require a, some level, level of self-awareness and consciousness around understanding that it is, you know, your parents' shame and they're, you know, bringing it on to you and how do you kind of work with it? Yeah, it's a hard one. You have to start being able to see yourself as an individual mm -hmm. as opposed to part of a unit. Um, you know, and that's that can be a really, really tough one. Um, you have to start recognizing that parent, your parents carry their own wounds and their own fears and inadequacies, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so therefore they have their own shames, right? And they're putting it, they're projecting it onto, onto us as the individuals, as the kids. Um, so it's a tough one to deal with when, it, when your family is wrapped up in that because people start thinking that um, they're going to lose their family, mm -hmm. you know? And in addressing, in addressing the whole shame picture in terms of the family, you know, because if you start speaking openly about what your shame is, so whatever that may look like. So for instance, if it's an addiction, you know, and the family's trying to hide it, um, what are the consequences, you know, of speaking about it openly for your family? Well, your family may then disconnect, right? Like you look at some cultures where families will, will um, pretend that, that kid is will act as though that kid is dead they'll shun them mm -hmm. that's how they deal with the shame right so there's that very real fear for people i think that 
you know, in having the shame and being open about it, that my family's going to reject me. Right. And it is possible. Sometimes that does happen, right? It is. So I guess the thing is, is, is asking the question of, you know, do you need to be open in terms of it to your family or do you just need to be clear within yourself? You yeah. know, do you, because I think if you're clear within yourself that, you know, I am not a bad person, you might be mm. able to accept how your, how your family needs to deal with it. Right. Right. You don't get sucked into that whole cycle of shame and, and picture of shame. You understand the difference between my parents are afraid, you know, they have their own wounding, they have their own shame yeah. and they're scared, but that's not mine. Yeah. And that, and that requires a lot of inner work and just getting to that place of self-awareness and being centered in yourself where you can actually objectively see your parents with this level of compassion and understanding that they carry their own wounds. But when you're first in the beginning parts of the healing process, when you're so wrapped up in the shame, it is a little harder, but once you take yourself to that next level and you can actually become an observer and hold that compassion for your parents and realize that they have their own traumas, their own wounding, it makes it easier. But it takes obviously time to get to that point. It takes a lot of time. I think the thing is, the, the one key thing is, is to start tracing our own shame, mm -hmm. right? To start becoming aware of that before you can start figuring out someone else's, right? Um, yeah. You know, and extend that compassion. Because it's going to be pretty hard to extend compassion to somebody else if you haven't extended it to yourself. 100%. I've learned that. That's one thing I've definitely learned actually in this past year is that you can't hold and have compassion for other people until you actually have it for yourself. And I know it sounds so cliche, but it actually is the truth. Right. So in facing your shame, for instance, and understanding that, you know, actually what your shame is and stripping it all away and finding down, you know, at the very core that it goes down to whatever that feeling is, you know, that feeling and fear that you're unworthy, you know, and unlovable um, and addressing that. Then you start understanding how your parents are just caught in this whole machine mm -hmm. in, in a sense of shame and that they're really worried, you know, that they're bad parents and therefore bad people and you know, all of that, you can then start feeling that compassion. But if you haven't stood in your own, in your own shame and started to extend that compassion to yourself, of, you know, really mourn those old wounds and, and see what, you know, has been kind of done to you. And I don't even like to use the word done because mm -hmm. it brings up the whole feeling that, you know, you're a victim, exactly. which I never like, but, but you were, you were really, really young when in some ways, when, this belief came in, you know, mm -hmm. so, so to start witnessing that of when did it happen? When did this original pain like, you know, happen? And, you know, how did I take that to trace it? You will start to feel compassion for yourself because you will see yourself as being this very young kid mm -hmm. when it all came in, who was really kind of powerless. And, and then you start to understand that, you know, by the same token, your parents and your grandparents and, you know, all your ancestors, they were also powerless. Mm -hmm. And they're just living through this whole thing almost mindlessly, right? 
Yeah, exactly. And so now this leads into my next, my last question here is how do we connect to our shame and work with it so that it doesn't end up negatively impacting our well-being? Can you give us some examples and ways on how to do that? Right. So the awareness piece is huge as always, right? It's, it's to really sort of get back to it. I think, and the awareness can be really, really difficult for people because again, admitting to shame, we, we also have shame about having shame, which is this really odd thing. So we will very often hide shame um, from ourselves even, right? You know, and you see the people who walk around and they're in denial and they're like, I'm great. I'm okay. I don't really. Sounds familiar. Um, Yes, we all do it. So for people who think that, oh, I don't do that. Well, at some point in your life, we, I think we all do it. It's our coping mechanism. Um, so I think, you know, there needs to be some time where you're, you're spending with yourself, where you're becoming attuned to the script of your own inner dialogue, right? And you're, you're expanding your ability to be able to observe it without reacting to it and, and developing that inner compassion i think some of how we can we can access shame is just through our bodies right our bodies are often the greatest way because people when they talk about emotions they're very often in their head they talk about oh i felt really guilty and and yes you did but they've disconnected from what does it actually feel like right and and i think we do that even more so with shame but when but if you can drop down into your body and, and just try to focus on, you know, any particular emotion, whether it's anger or fear or guilt, and particularly shame is where in your body do you feel it? Where do you experience it on the somatic level? Um, you know, so if you think about, you know, you bring in that kind of the thought that you're really ashamed about, right? If you bring that in and you close your eyes and you breathe into it, and drop down into your body, where do you actually feel it? Like, I think that's a great way to access it, right? And then once mm -hmm. you've figured out, okay, where do I feel it? Um, and usually it's within the lower regions, like usually it's in, you know, your, your heart, your stomach, like, you know, your solar plexus, it's usually in those areas. Um, but it doesn't have to be. Some people may experience it in other places. Mm -hmm. Right. I found mine and I had hidden it away. And some of it was in a really weird, like in my foot, like it was in wow. a really weird place. Yeah. Because I had shoved it down so far. Um, part of it, not all of it, but yeah, so, um, it was really, really well hidden. So, you know, you access that and then you kind of just, again, you know, the breath is really important, sort of breathe into it and, you know, to that part of your body and then see if you can come up with an image. If there's an image for what shame is like within my body what's that image you know or what's that right. color like you're trying to bring in your other senses and you're trying to populate the shame so you can actually get a clear picture of it as opposed to this feeling that comes in and then you run away from it mm -hmm. right and, so yeah yeah that's a really powerful exercise because a lot of the time we do tend to intellectualize and talk about our emotions i know i'm a classic example of this and so when we actually drop into the body, like emotions, they start in the body. There's a physiological thing that happens. So like you're saying, it's really important to do that, to just like actually feel it in, like, where am I actually feeling it in the body instead of like thinking about where I'm feeling it? Absolutely. Yeah. You really have to drop down to your body and it, and it may take some practice. Like it's not, 
I will say, you know, having done this myself and having worked with people to get them to access stuff, it, it's not like the first time out you're going to necessarily access it. And even if you do, you can try it again and you'll access it again at a deeper level. Um, yeah. And I think that a lot of people, I don't know about a lot of people, but some people can be actually um, scared or don't feel safe in their own bodies. So there's that fear of actually going into the body and feeling that emotion of shame because it's just, it's scary. For right? sure. Especially if you have body shame. Yeah, exactly. So it, it takes some practice, right? And being really just open and like vulnerable in a way. It does pre- take practice. But I think before that you start doing this is, is you have to make sure that your resources what are, are there, right? Because once you bring shame, shame into, out into the light, how are you going to deal with it? So if you're not strong enough to, to hold it, to hold that space for it, mm-hmm. it's going to be tough. So a lot of the work is really on the back end. You really have to start before you start doing that whole shame piece is to start working on, you know, your self-compassion and your ability to, to hold space for yourself and have something come up and observe it, but not react to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that's, that's a lot of where our shame came in is, is what someone's reaction to it. Mm -hmm. And we misinterpret it often. Right. So you know, like if you ever look, I, I've seen this happen firsthand is, is babies or, you know, young kids, when they get hurt, it's not actually the pain that they're crying about. It's what happens is, is that they, they, they have a little, okay, we're talking small accidents, not large accidents, but they, they'll fall off, you know, they'll fall down and they'll skid their knees, skin their knees. And then, you know, it hurts, but they start to cry actually when they see their parents' reaction, because it's like, oh, yeah, you know, to feel and that's what that's what creates it so so that's the thing of of you know how do you react to yourself how much do you perpetuate that shame in the way in which you react to something like when you when you talk to yourself about something that you feel like you know how when people will say you know i shouldn't feel this way like they'll say you know i almost hate this you know i almost like my kid was just driving me nuts, for instance. And I had a moment of just, I really didn't like them in that moment. And then they feel really bad. Like I shouldn't feel that because I'm a mom. And, you know, of course I love my kid and, you know, and there's a certain amount of shame that goes along with that, with admitting that. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, how do you meet and greet that? Mm -hmm. And, And another thing you kind of touched on was the whole thing of bringing shame into the light and the importance of that. And, um, because really like it's that it's that intense feeling or an experience of you know believing that we're flawed and unworthy of love and belonging and so really like the less we talk about shame the more power it has over us and um there's this quote i'm going to bring brene brown in again because she is the expert in this area so she says is like when we bury the story we forever we forever stay the subject of the story but if we own the story we get to narrate the ending of shame Yes. yes So there's, it's absolutely true. I mean, there's another quote, you know, we are only as sick as our secrets. Mm -hmm. Um, So as long as you keep them secret, they have power over you. Mm -hmm. Once you bring it out into the light, you know, you shame, shame thrives in the dark. 
mm-hmm. it's like um it's like a mold basically right um once you start shining the light on it it doesn't have that power anymore you know but it's a difficult again you have to like you have to be careful like you wouldn't admit to your shame to a crowd that's going to be like oh my god like as soon as you you know you bring up your most shameful thing and they say anything other you know than greeting you with love and compassion if they were to say something like oh my god like i can't believe that that's that you did that right you you're going to scurry back into the dark it's going to all it's going to do is reinforce for you that i shouldn't have been telling anybody this right because it is something to be ashamed about first so and we do that to ourselves sometimes right i think very often we have a lot of shame and we don't set the stage for ourselves to be compassionate to say like okay you know like it was okay that that you know that you think that or you feel that or you did that or whatever it is you you are not that person you are not a bad person you know you did something so how are you meeting it is really important as well it's more important than anything else because Mm -hmm. that that emotion lives within you Mm -hmm. And, and like you were saying like starting small in a safe space to, to share your shame with, like, don't just go, you know, (laughs) guns blazing into like a a group of people where you feel like it might not be, it might not land well. And then you end up with like a shame, shame hangover the next day. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Shame, shame afterburn is really, really powerful. Um, And uh, you know, it's funny. I did as part of my training, one of the things that I did as a therapist was, I was required to do what's called an intensive, which is essentially, you know, a weekend long of intense therapy with a group of other people. And the one that I chose was called shame. So it addressed shame. And you had to be, one thing I realized is the power of that being open because we feel the shame, we run things, we run the script through in our mind that, oh, you know, these are the things that I feel ashamed, ashamed about and I shouldn't, you know, and, and that, all makes sense. Like, I know that that's not me and, you know, you're running it through your mind, but there's a certain power of, you know, when I actually had to come in, in out and say stuff to people um, and then, and really live that experience. And it was, a, it was completely, it was, I mean, it was an exhausting and emotional weekend, but, but one of the exercises that we did was we wrote out all of the shaming messages that we had received when we were younger um, and we were told to divide them up so that we were writing out the shaming messages we got from our mother, our father. Um, I think there were like, and then there was others, right? And I think even maybe the shaming messages that we delivered to ourselves. So we wrote them out on a piece of paper and then much to my horror, we were rejoined into the group and we were asked to read out those shaming messages. Oh, so it wasn't so hard for me to construct the list you know, like in terms of emotionally, like I was writing them out once I got started, they started flowing. Um, I didn't experience any, any, you know, I didn't, it didn't, it didn't really touch me in a way. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when we were asked to read them out, I started reading my list and I got to about the third message and I actually heard what it sounded like, like to actually be saying that stuff and to realize that somebody said those things to me and I started to cry right? Like, you know, and I had to continue to read through this list. And it was just, it's just that whole thing of like, when you're living inside your head with the shame, it's not the same thing as sharing it with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Very different experience. 
very different. Um, so, you know, yes, like if you can write about it to yourself, that's great. That's one first step, you know, and then if you can take, you know, what you've gotten and you can share that with one other person, usually it's, you know, your partner or your best friend who's going to receive that, you know, very carefully. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a big step. Then already that's a huge part of the healing and the release. Definitely. Today was awesome. Good flow. Lots of new insights. I definitely learned a lot. Um, thank you so much for coming back onto the show. Once again, it's so great to have you back. I know everyone learned a lot today and got some really valuable insights to take away. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. And once again, you can find Kathy at www.healingtherapyalliance.com. If you're ready to make some breakthroughs and expand, please reach out to her. And until next time.